Hello and welcome to the Good Good Golf Podcast. This is episode 132. My name is Rod Murray and my task today is to steer a conversation about the game which is much more important than it might seem at first glance. When we think about golf, and in particular professional golf, we tend to think of the big events, the Masters, the Women's US Open, our own Australian Opens, and that's to the good of the game in many ways. But golf, and even professional golf, is much, much bigger than that. In fact, for many golfers in Australia and elsewhere in the world, that golf and the venues it's played on is almost unrecognisable. Which brings us neatly to today's topic and the announcement during the week of a deal between Golf New South Wales and the state government, which will see 51 regional golf events played in the state over the next three years. That's a great launch pad for a broader discussion about the game outside our urban centres, and all our media type Mark Hayes will be along shortly to help us unpick the hairball that is regional golf. First, let's meet the usual suspects on this audio journey. Left field thinker, watch connoisseur, movie buff, Adrian Loke. I actually think you have a regional golf background. Would I be right thinking that? I did. I'm Maitland boy. Maitland Golf Club. Born and bred. Yep. We, I, Lots I will, of regional golf played at Maitland. Jack Newton Junior Golf like championships were there many yeah, years. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Jack being from there. We'll, we'll get your thoughts on, because of course you're at a very different sort of a golf uh, facility these days. So we'll be interested to get your thoughts on the... We won't tell people where you're from. Okay. Uh, we've also got Golf Australia Magazine Deputy and Digital Editor Jimmy Emanuel with us to give us a perspective not requiring spectacles because his eyes remain young and healthy for the moment. And non-regional. And non- I was going to say, <laughs> I think that you're a city kid like me, aren't you? I am. I spent a lot of time in regional New South Wales. Yeah. More so through work or with uh, traveling no. for golf? And- no, everything. Yeah. Traveling to play golf and work and holidays and all that sort of stuff and a lot of family from regional New South Wales. Okay. So yeah. I can maybe make something up to make it sound like I've spent more time. What there. a broad church we are here at Good Good. Let's head regional where we find former Golf Australia media manager and Herald Sunrider now. Man, all about golf, Mark Hayes. Hayes, are you coming? You, I think you're some sort of consultant these days. I think you're living the dream from a regional base on the Bellarine Peninsula. Am I right about that? Your background yeah. would suggest that you're in paradise. Yeah, no, absolutely spot on. I'm on the uh, middle of. I'm in the middle of the Bellarine Peninsula right as we speak, and it's just heaven like it is every day, right? There's, there's nothing else to be said, really. A little slice of Queensland in southern Victoria is the, uh, the way we might describe it. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, we have gone a bit tropical lately. We've had a lot of Queensland-style rain, so um, you know. But it's been beautiful weather in between the tropical storms. So um, it's a good place to be, and a lot of unbelievable golf around the entire peninsula as well. So. I was about to say, mm. it could be the poster child for regional golf in Australia. Couldn't the Ballerina Mornings and Peninsulas? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, we're actually not. This is a bit off topic. We've actually started a, a new thing called Golf to Ballerine, which is designed to do exactly what we're talking about today: take take golfers to the regions. So. Um, you know, it's a great chance for you know for people to see golf that isn't always on TV by doing these sort of things, which is I'm sure of what you're going to talk about. Well, it kind of is. So let's jump to the announcement during the week. Oh, sorry. Point point of order. Is that a hedge behind you, Hazy? <laughs> that we can see through the window there. It is actually car park hedge at the golf club, or no household my, hedge. This is this is my backyard. This okay. is the magnificent petosterum uh, hedge that gives me uh, no end of back pain. Luke? Okay. Another another point of order, yeah. given where I believe he was born, is Hazy also a slice of Queensland on the Bellarine Peninsula? I don't know. Where were you born? Uh, 
No, I was born in Camperdown in regional Victoria, not oh. uh, not Camperdown, New South Wales, but uh, out in the, uh, the wild, wild west down here. Yeah. Don't you need that hedge for the two horse-sized dogs that you have? Is that the, is that that the story? Is there? Make good <laughs> play. Let's, let's hope so. This all started, I spotted this press release during the week about these 51 regional events to be played in New South Wales over the next three years. Really quite important stuff. It's not very glamorous, is it, Hazy? When we think about golf and big stories, you know, Tiger and Rory beating Patrick Reed the other day, no, that's not a... Opening for you to talk about Patrick Reed (laughs) and what happened there. But that's what we think about. In fact, regional golf, well, suburban golf and regional golf, is kind of the lifeblood of the game, isn't it? This is a really important announcement which will fly under the radar but shouldn't. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, you struggle to get uh, grips when you're doing media releases from a governing body's point of view, a tour's point of view, anything like that, when it doesn't involve a, a big name. Uh, that's not to say the news isn't important. And in this case, uh, it, I would say it's as significant as it gets for regional Australia in golfing terms. Anyhow, um, it's the first organization that's really flown its flag in, uh, in favor of the, of the regions, uh, and the chance to spread the wings just outside the metropolitan sort of areas that we've all come to know through so many years of great tournaments, but it, it comes at the expense of, some really brilliant courses, to be honest, and I'm sure there's a couple that might come up in this conversation that would, if they were in a different position uh, on the on the map, uh, carry much more weight in terms of their significance as a golf club. Yeah, indeed. Speaking of the hairball regional golf, this is one of those unintended consequences. So you take golf to a small town or a small part of New South Wales that doesn't normally get big-time golf, and we're not talking about you know the biggest names in golf playing, but I think the WebEx Player Series has shown us mm-hmm. some fabulous <laughs> talent on display. The opportunity for a kid that lives somewhere like that to go and see professional could be life-changing, like Absolutely. Uh, the big event in my region in the Hunter Valley when I was growing up was the Lake Macquarie Amateur. And that was the first really good golf I saw. And uh, I, I went the first year I went, Peter O'Malley won it um, by a lot and with an incredible ball striking performance and could putt as well. It was, it was all very impressive. Um, and then the year after that, Brett Robinson won the South Australian – another Brett Robinson. We were just talking about a Brett Robinson. Um, uh, um, yeah, and that left a big impression on me. And, and I was able to caddy for some of my mates who were actually good golfers, good enough to be in the Lake Macquarie Amateur later. But that the whole region sort of – that was the premier event for the whole region and unfortunately not an event that continues to this day. Easy. Well, um, what Jimmy was referring to being, being Queensland, I spent six years in Queensland as a kid. Um, it was on the Sunshine Coast and uh, my exposure to golf for the first time was – before it became what it, what it became was the Jack Newton Pro-Am at the Twanton Golf Club. And uh, I got to caddy for Ian Baker Finch and um, St. Indian Stephen, as it as it turns out, to the Governor General as well. So you know, those sort of things. You look around and you see Ian Baker Finch, and you see you know Roger Davis, and you see you know Mike Calandro, all those guys. You go, oh my goodness, they're in my backyard. I could do this. Yeah, yeah Mike Calandro, Mike Calandro, yeah, interesting pool there, <laughs> really yeah. interesting pool. Given you're really that. trying to get to Patrick Reed, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, <that's, yeah. laughs> it was an amazing from Ian Baker Finch, <laughs> Roger Davis, to Mike Calandro. That was Calandro. And I think what makes it pop out of your head, isn't it? <laughs> I think it, I can see the connection with the plus fours. Went from Roger Davis <laughs> plus fours to Mike, Mike Calandro plus fours. Patrick Reed, six degrees of separation. Yeah. And there we are, yeah. and I'm sure those those moments have stayed with. Ian Baker, Finch, Anson, Innie, and Stephen as well, Hazy. I'm sure they still look back fondly. <laughs> oh, every, uh, every time I see uh, Ian Baker, Finch, he tells me, I wouldn't have been anything without you, Hazy. Uh, Ian Baker, Finch, who I hope has forgiven me for making fun of him at the recent Australian Open. So, 
Why would you do that? What is wrong with you? He was a pro, he was an amateur in the pro am, and amateurs weren't allowed on the range. But he's Finchy, so he went onto the range and hit some balls. And I loudly in front of the rest of the field said, "Excuse me, sir, this is for the professionals only." Oh, <laughs> how could you do that to the mayor of golf? You mentioned the Lake Macquarie under there. Like, and I just remembered BJ and I, BJ Bang, Brendan James, the editor of Golf Australia magazine, couldn't tell you how many years ago, shot swing sequences with Paul Casey and Luke Donald. At the Lake Macquarie Amateur at when Belmont. they were still amateurs at Belmont. Luke Donald won it, I think. I think he might have, yeah. Colin Montgomery came out and played it one year as well. Yeah. I offered to caddy for him yeah. and he told me to piss off. <laughs> he had no caddy. He was dragging his bag around and Dad said, oh, why don't you go up and ask him if he wants a caddy? And he was like, no. Nah. Well, he didn't say piss off, kid, but he was like... But an, not interested. An attitude he carried through yeah, the could, rest of his career, the foundations were laid. He could uh, foresee that in your future you would get to know John Huggin, and he just wanted to stamp no, it out no, early. That's exactly right. That's exactly you, right. Would you like a Sunini and Stephen update, Hazy? Oh, left oh, field. Yeah. Um, he, he died, unfortunately. Um, oh, oh, thanks. Uh, age, thanks. Age 94 on, on, in 2017. Did you miss the funeral, Hazy? <laughs> I can't that's believe that family didn't send me a note. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Enough about all that. All of that for the carry-on that it is, Hazy, tells us why this is important, doesn't it? You, 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 well, three of us have just pulled a regional golf memory, important memory, out of our heads about something. That's, so tell us a bit about uh, this New South Wales announcement in particular. What You mentioned that there was a couple of courses that you particularly maybe wanted to mention. What, what, have, what have they kind of announced? What are the events that are going to be going regional? Well, the, I mean, the biggest thing for, you know, the – to disrupt, I guess, the the commonly held notion of what these big events should be is that the New South Wales Men's Open and the Women's Open will not be held in Sydney for the foreseeable future. So mm-hmm. from 24 to 26 at least, um, they the, the main you know, showpiece events will be outside, um, you know, greater metropolitan Sydney, which is a big surprise. Big surprise for those events, and that's not to say they're getting smaller. They're actually going to get bigger. The the, the prize money, um, I haven't seen it defined yet, but I know I understand through the government's commitment that it's going to be an enormous, enormous one. So, on top of that, we've seen in previous years the qualifying, the regional qualifying series. That's going to be expanded to to incorporate the women as well. Um, so six events for men, six events for women, and is the the qualifying block to get there sort of like a you know, a, a small version of the Open Championship, I suppose. Um, then there's going to be the Men's Senior Open, the Australian Women's Classic, um, and I'm, I, th- I swear that I'm missing one or two yes, here. Uh, I just- the Sand Greens. Oh, and that, I shouldn't have missed the Sand Greens. That is an enormous thing for Australian golf. Um, and if there's, a, if there's a single thing that could, have, you know, put Australian uh, regional golf on the map, and it's not going to be the, the fancy courses, clearly, but... The World Sand Greens Championship is going to be held in in regional New South Wales, and that I know already has generated an enormous interest from things like Golf Channel and places like that in the states um, to come out and see a different type. Excuse my dogs, a different type of golf altogether. And is that a euphemism? And get away off from that. <laughs> is that a euphemism? <laughs> excuse my dogs. That's uh, that's appalling. And uh, and and that, as Hazy says, I, I've spoken to Golf New South Wales a lot about this, and the money's not defined, but Things like that Sand Greens Championship, you can expect to be enough money to probably be a tour event in Australia. Really? Wow. I believe yeah. that would be off the charts. Fans. And then you're getting, you're getting, you know, the the aim with some of these women's events to, you know, look at ladies' European tour status. So, you know, that's, that's a, there's which a, we've mu- had previously, which we had fan, previously, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a financial number to yeah. reach with like every tour. And, you know, it was reported by, 
uh, Adam Pendilly, our mate at the Sydney Morning Herald, that New South Wales men's New South Wales Open will, you know, not quite be there, but it'll be getting towards a million dollars, which okay. is state open. That's you know that's unbelievable money as well. So beyond the boost for regional areas that they're going to play these events for the players in Australia, this is really big too. I was about to say, we're talking about levels of players here, Hayes, of whom the money is really important. I wrote a piece this week about the WebEx Players Series, and it ticks every single box, doesn't it, including the regional one. Not all of the WebEx Players Series events. I'm saying WebEx Players Only Series because I got it wrong in my story. That's the technical name for the, the series. Predominantly in regional areas of the country, and they tick every box. Uh, you know, the men and the women, the all abilities and kids all playing together. Opportunity for some young up-and-coming pros to earn some money. Mark Allen made the point many times on the coverage during the week. It's not cheap to go overseas and pursue a professional career. Any opportunity to add some coin to the to the bank account to be able to do it. So it ticks a lot of boxes, as this regional stuff will for New South Wales. On the flip side, Hazy, it's not just about the golf, is it? The advantages for the, the places that host these things. I know from talking to David Tees from Golf New South Wales in the past, that the mid-amateur champion, for example, the championship – is a huge boost to any community that hosts it because hundreds of people flock in from all over the country to play in that. What do they do while they're there? They spend money. Well, journalists uh, all over the world using that, um, what are the economic benefits and trying to crunch those figures of, you know, why a town can afford to host an event or what, you know, what prompts a government to spend that money. And, and it's a massive figure, the huge investment from the New South Wales government, and they expect to get it back and more from taking it out to the bush. So even the smallest events have these huge multiplier effects because if you take the the mid-am, which is on no one's radar, um, it, it might attract 100 people to town from outside the area. Uh, if, you, if they're staying for three nights, you know, your, your food, your accommodation, all the things that we all know, mm-hmm. um, it, it could be the biggest thing in a small town's um, budget all year. Um, it, it's enormous. I, I haven't got a town for you. I wish I did. Um, but the Sand Green Championships will be, wherever it's held, will be probably the biggest thing that town's ever had. And Jimmy's spot on. It is going to hopefully be a, a, an event on the PGA Tour of Australasia. Um, it's almost a, a given that will happen just purely on the money that's, dr- that's driving. So that will mean, again, access to, to players that will generate world exposure, especially on um, on a different sort of course. Um, so can you imagine... You know, a, a town somewhere on the Western Plains, for example, just Dunny, getting Dunny Do. Dunny Do. Wouldn't it be yeah. good if it was Dunny, Dunny Do? Shout Ricky, out to Ricky Bush. Ricky's left there. No longer there. Still, well, shout the out, still shouting out Ricky Bush. <laughs> That's right. Imagine, imagine the story of that, the backstory yeah. with that course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that that's a hit on any night on the Golf Channel. The amount of people who will go, oh my god, what is this? They're crazy in Australia. I've seen, I've seen, you know. Bumboogle and, and King Island, and now I'm seeing this. This is we've got to go there. We have to go there, and that's priceless, absolutely priceless. And imagine, imagine the the uh, financial boost for Dunny Do if our man here, the Colonel, and David T's come to town and strap on a feed bag every day and every <laughs> <It's>, night. Our <laughs> <laughs> restaurateurs are rubbing their hands together. Uh, is Dunny, <laughs> is Dunny Do sand greens? I'm not. Convinced. Yes, uh, it is definitely. I'm not convinced that it necessarily. Is. I thought it was. It was maybe slicks once upon a time. Not sure. Anyway, the, the the point about that hazy across the sand greens thing is, and you're an old daily newspaper hack like me, it's man bites dog, isn't it? It's the unexpected yeah. nature of it, you know? Beautifully presented courses in immaculate condition are dog bites man. Nobody cares. That's what you expect. Sand greens and professionals, that's real man bites dog stuff. I wonder how many pros might think twice about what that might do to their game, trying to putt on sand greens at some point, but guaranteed there'll be enough of them desperate for the cash that they'll turn up. Yeah, they 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 might well think that, but 
Um, I would imagine a fair chunk of them have never played on sand greens, to be honest. I know that's sort of bizarre, but there'd be there'd be quite a few I imagine have never never seen anything but you know your traditional greens. The the um story of you know a local player off three or four. Mm-hmm. Obviously, having to be a good player, but having all the tricks of a local yeah. course, Cow- you know, towling up the the pros who've come to town. Because once you, you get to the green, <laughs> can you can you imagine? Like you know, and I'm not, um, I, I don't, I don't even know who to, to who to pick on here, but you know, a, a a good touring pro who's never seen sand greens has got a pretty steep learning curve coming up. That admittedly, we've all seen they learn quickly. I get that, but there's so many little tricks and nuances on sand greens. Um, you know. I'm sure your listeners have played them before, Rod, but, uh, you know, it's going to be quirky to say the very, very least. So, um, you know, I, I, I can't wait to see uh, some good Aussie touring pros. You might even get some bigger names than you expect come back to play it because of the, cause the unique nature of it. I've never played sand greens myself. It's something I want to do. Yeah, I've never done it either, and it's something I definitely oh. want to do. Let's go do it. Okay. Well, that's, that's really surprising. I'm, I'm actually surprised, particularly with you, Adrian, because because um, <laughs> you're a freak and a weirdo, and it would have been the first thing we'd expect you would I'm have not, done. I'm not surprised with Logan. I'm disappointed. <laughs> That's exactly right. Good analysis. Um, I, I just I, there are so many of them. You don't even think about how yeah. many there are, but so many little there towns. Are. Just you know, the, the logistics of greens are a nightmare. So you know, the you have a golf course. Of course, you want one, but the you know the sandscapes are such a viable alternative in the bush. So yeah, um, there's some great courses throughout. Well, I'm trying to think of this as a state. You know, I've, I've played a lot in Victoria on sand scrapes. Um, not, I assume there's plenty in, in re, re, rural oh, in oh, as well. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. There's 1,500 golf courses in Australia, and you'd, I, I mentioned that to people overseas, and, and they're like, wow, that's a lot of golf courses for your population. And, and But then you say, well, you know, quite a lot of them. In software as well, everyone's like rubbing their hands together. It's like, oh, 1,500 golf clubs we can sell software to. And it's like, <laughs> no, no. A lot of those are clubs that don't have any money at all and they can't, you know. The bar is a Hessian bag hanging from a tree near the first tee with some ice in it <laughs> Correct. and some beer and for when the round's There's through. an honesty box and sand scrapes and uh, there's, there's, that's a lot of Australian golf. Yeah. There you, you go. Know, Logan and I have got a trip coming up with that. Yeah, you certainly have. We do sand scrapes. Yeah. 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 You take your own portal with you. Retro gear. No, I've had enough. Leave your <laughs> leave your sixty degree wedges at home. Steve Aisbert, who owns the Thornley Driving Range here in Sydney, was the pro at Dubbo for a long time. Yep. Dubbo Golf Club, twenty seven hole facility where they played the New South Wales Women's Open a couple of years ago. I was there for that. Uh, fantastic. He used to run hold and scramble events up to three or four hundred k's ring around Dubbo, and it was mostly sand scrape courses and courses that were closed during summer because the ground would just crack and open up because it was too hot and very little in the way of grass. But, of course, somebody has to qualify from each of those events. And, of course, every now and then one of those teams would end up going through the to the regional qualifier and they'd go and play at, um, I think it was at Federal in Canberra was where the <laughs> – so Steve would take these teams from – Of course, known for its presentation. Exactly. Outback New South Wales. Matt Miller. They get to the first green, of course. You know, these guys have never seen greens like this. And I remember reading one of his – one of these guys. They made it to the national final. A guy called Fang Milgate. He was a roo shooter from way out the back of nowhere. But Steve said you'd always get to within a sort of 100 yards of the green. You'd start trying to explain to people that you can't hit the putts like you do at home because then invariably you get to the first green. All four of them just putted straight off the green. They'd just be terrified by the notion of these greens that would run like grass rather than sand. Totally, the rest of the game was quite all right, but greens that were running so fast, it was, um, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy. 
Imagine the term roo shooter headlining a story on <laughs> golf channel. Fang. Yeah. Roo shooter Asani in playoff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gets a lucky bounce and gets the job done. We know this works, Hazy, in the, the regional, um, taking bigger events to regional areas because we've seen it with the Vic Open, haven't we, at 13th Beach. If you go and talk to the cafe owners along the strip there in the, the – what is the town there? Now I've forgotten. Barwon Heads. Barwon Heads. They'll tell you that that week of the year is just astounding. We've all been to the Vic Open. It's an amazing event in a golf capacity, but when you broaden it out and think about it, it's an amazing event for that area, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's in my backyard here. And, uh, you know, we've just finished the holiday rush as we record this, you know, the Australia Day exodus from uh, all the beaches and stuff. But I can tell you that the next thing on their radar is the Vic Open. So they're loading up again for that week. Um, it doesn't get much, I don't imagine, coverage externally, but it's a massive thing in our area, which goes to your point. Um, everyone's, you know, planning accommodation around it. Everything's booked out. The restaurants, chockers, um, and we're talking, you know, with men's and women's fields, mm. um, you know, and, and of course, the all abilities aspect of it all. There's another, you know, several dozen people involved and it just all multiplies out. Yeah. So it's packed around our place still. So that's great. Absolutely fantastic. And the chance to see um, 13th Beach is, you know, highly ranked in the in the Golf Australia magazine public access course rankings. Well done. I'm <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure where it would be without the Vic Open as a, by way of example. And when you're in the ex- top exposure, you mean? Yeah, exactly. And and you know, I know that there's, there are diligent crew who go around and do all the rankings, but it's much easier to go to a course that you've heard of. I guarantee you. So you know, one's in the top ten, one's in the top twenty-five uh, of those two courses that make up Thirteenth Beach. Um, that happens because of tournaments like that. Yeah. You know that that I think that's an indisputable fact. It does happen every year at the Vic Open. You you see this beach course is really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, very just, so. yeah, very that, much so. Yeah, very much. The really Vic really Open's that great example of what regional golf can do. With if you're going down to cover it, like I would. And you haven't got yourself organised. You're staying in Geelong because yeah, exactly. it Go is get to booked town. out, That's and right. it's the holiday period's over. Everyone's back at school, and then you know, I, I did a story down there last year about how I always, well, I always thought that the Vic Open might get too big and it might have to move into Metro Melbourne, but. It really is made for that area because if you go down to watch it, you can go and play those other great golf courses. During, and these these regional New South Wales will be slightly different, but there's these other things to do in all these towns. You know, if it, it if an event goes to Dubbo, there's so much to see and do in Dubbo. Dubbo's a big place, much bigger than you think. Yeah, you that's right. Been there. And you know, that's that's the great part about I think going to these yeah. towns is you know there's so much to actually do when you get to these places. So another example of that, Jimmy, is um, you know last Here year. We I was go. <laughs> Up at the Australian Women's Classic at, at Bonville. Um, and it was a beautiful chance for the entire region to be exposed, which I'm sure is a point you're going to make here in a minute, uh, Rod. But when they filmed the pieces in the week leading up to the tournament, they went to they went to the Coffs Harbour Golf Club. They went to the Sawtell Golf Club. Mm-hmm. They went to this place, that place. And, and the um, extrapolating out from the main event, the tentacles of the tournament reach far and wide. Um, you know, when does Sawtell get on European golf in that instance, on European TVs? You know, like 
it's it, it's just a huge bonus. Yeah. It's like dropping a stone in a pond, Hazy. You get all those concentric circles going out and they go forever. You could actually make the case about the Vic Open, Hazy, that the regional move saved it. The first combined Vic Open was played in suburban Melbourne at Spring Valley and I can't remember the other course. And it wasn't a roaring success for all sorts of logistical issues about moving between courses and whatnot. The move to 13th Beach made possible what the Vic Open's become today. 100%. So it was at Woodlands when it sort of expanded as well. And, and it was really complicated, not unlike some of the logistical aspects that um, has been you guys have discussed about Kingston, Heath and Victoria at the Australian Open. It's just difficult if you're not on the same property. It just is. Um, Woodlands was um, a great host, but it was problematic. Um, so the minute they moved into, um, you know, one location, which was obviously 13th Beach, um, it, it flourished. And you know, the quirk factor ignites it and then people actually see, you know what, this is actually a legitimate place to hold a tournament. Yep. Um, and the, the footprints, the, the courses that have 36 holes generally have got big footprints uh, that enable logistics as well. So, yeah, 13th Beach is an awesome Ticks awesome all the boxes. And got fantastic Thai restaurant in Ocean Grove it does as well. Yeah. It does. I saw That's, Cheyenne Woods in there. Yeah. Uh, You'll never I, forget that, was it? That, was a, that was a real highlight for you. That was a huge yeah. highlight. And, and if you're in a regional town and a golf tournament comes to town, whatever the local pub is, you're going to meet golf pros. True. And, yeah, and certain journalists, not including myself. In all sorts of frames of mind. <laughs> you go there Friday go there night, Friday you'll get a certain night, attitude, you'll get, get you'll there get Sunday night, it'll yeah. be a whole... Uh, yeah, that's right. And while, before we move on from the Vic Open, just want to give a plug to the golf in that region, including Port Arlington Golf Club, which... Uh, oh. yeah. Thanks, Adrian. Very oh. kind of you. I just what set, is your just role at Port up. Arlington, Hazy? Tell us officially. I'm the business development manager at the Port Arlington Golf Club, Rob. Also known as the Colonel. I was about to say, <laughs> does that reflect more on you or on the Port Arlington Golf Club that you've ended up with a title like that? That's uh, quite staggering. I was going to say, Hazy, you and I are both media men from way back. Jimmy's a bit younger than us, and Logue, as we know, is not working media. Not to keep pointing that out, but we know that that's the case. The media aspect of this, and this is broader than just regional golf as well, but I remember you talked about the Women's Classic at Bonville a few years ago. A couple of years ago, Christine and Kim played in it, and she tweeted a bunch of stuff while she was there, photos and whatnot. That is an audience that that part of the world can never otherwise get to. It's a com it is completely off the map. The players themselves and the publicity they generate just through their own channels makes what you and I grew up with, Hazy, look pedestrian, doesn't it? The reach yeah. that you get through social media. And I don't know that that's yet been really exploited. We still tend to take the players, present them to mainstream media and allow mainstream media to put those stories out, but their own stories are really quite compelling, aren't they, and, and give a, a view that you don't get from mainstream media. Uh, that's uh, that's everything. So by way, I won't give names, but by way of example, we're, we're about to hold a swing of um, PGA Legends Tour events on the Ballerine Peninsula as something similar here, and, and in order to make it happen logistically um i need to find accommodation for some certain players and the trade-off is exposure on instagram or facebook or twitter depending on their age categories influencers <laughs> um and their influencers and you know they they speak to the that audience specifically it's direct it's um influential it's uh it, it's powerful um we, the telegraph the oz whatever you name it it's if you're re if you're reading golf there as your source, you're in trouble. So you know we've got to find different ways. <laughs> you might be reading about Patrick Reed, but we're not going to talk about that. Hey. Oh, come on! <laughs> I know it's a personal favourite of yours. The thing we probably overlook, Jimmy, 
we've mentioned it a couple of times, but is the notion that, and it's probably the thing that hasn't taken on, you know, it's maybe an untapped market, people travelling to watch these tournaments and having a golf trip of their own. Now, we know that the Vic Open is particularly good for that because the golf, there's so much golf in that part of the world, it is so good and rich. No reason you couldn't do the same thing with some of these events. And the Sand Greens would be a fantastic one. Go and watch the Sand Green Championships and find a club somewhere nearby and go and have a hit. Absolutely. If you're the, if you're the kind that likes a road trip sort of style holiday, you go to these places and you can watch a bit of golf and then you can drive. It'll be a little bit of a drive, but go and play some of the other golf clubs around the area or just see different things in in those parts of the places. And it, it 100% it would be a great way to do it. The Vic Open, again, is the model of that. But as as we're talking about... The golf course for a tournament doesn't have to be that good to make it a good golf tournament. No, that's right. The golf courses on a trip don't have to be that good to make it an amazing trip no. and a memorable trip. I mean, I'm sure anyone who's done that um, uh, tournament up in Queensland where they travel around and play all those different things, go up through like the, out, the Outback, Outback Masters. What's it called? The Outback Masters. Outback Masters. Outback yeah. Masters. We had a story on the mag about it. Anyone who's ever done that would – not come back and talk about how good the golf course designs were, but talk about how amazing a trip it is. And I remember telling a mate of mine who works in TV about that, and he sort of went, how would we go about doing a, a, a small series for an Australian TV channel about that sort of thing? Leading and some cameras. He in- yeah, yeah, thanks. Some microphones. I'm just just can, thinking aloud. Still, get, can we throw still, in- still getting scoops at your age, jeez. But can we like throw in some idea, he- meat pie reviews as well? Get on the meat pie trail. Oh, yeah. Country country yeah, meat pies. Now that Hazy's <laughs> nodding his head. That would be some subject matter. Golf New South Wales should engage the services of Brendan James. <laughs> Brendan James to for every Mark regional Hayes. tournament to give you the outline <laughs> the of the best p- local bakery and pre- what to get. Because subject matter experts. Hay- well, <laughs> Hayes is a clinic- clinician of pie eating. Oh, yeah, yeah. James is more of a so – he's a flavour man. He's a connoisseur. Yeah. And he will tell you what pie to get at that bakery <laughs> and what <laughs> sweet treat to follow your exactly, pie. Exactly, the treats. It is, the, it yeah. is just unbelievable. Some how have wine with dinner. BJ knows what pastry to follow a pie. His, his daughter <laughs> called him on a road trip <laughs> know, recently and said, we're driving back. Where should we stop? No, no, she it. saw a sign. Said, yep. these, these best pies in Australia. Yes. So, I mean, she rang him and said, is this true? He said, hang on a minute. And he went on, <laughs> on a Google and have a look to see if he'd been there. He came back and said, oh, I'm not sure it's worth the 10K diversion yeah, or whatever. But they're lemon slice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> The man is unrivaled. It's, but he should be Golf New South Wales, and he could do a little pie trail out of Sydney Got to get take. to that place. That's the sort of lateral thinking that we need more of. You might just find some... Uh, some pie chart, that's its working Oh, oh no. Oh, <laughs> Worse. Off the meat and track. Um, oh, yeah. yeah there you now go. we're really starting to roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do we have yet much in the way of a list? I know the Sandgreens uh, venue hasn't been announced, etc. but do we know where some of these events are going to be played, Hazy, as yet? Have we got a list? Uh, not definitively, but I can give you a couple of clues. I, I know I know that, well, let's go with um, Murray Downs uh, as being an example of exactly what Jimmy was just talking about there. Um, I can't believe I'm supporting Jimmy so readily in this podcast. It's really <laughs> you'll, you'll have other opportunities, mate. Don't worry okay. about it too much. He's been so nice to me for a while. He washed dirt out of my eye at the Australian Open. Oh, He's, yeah. Yeah. Having thrown it in your face in the first place was probably the least he could do. <laughs> he did it and then said, let's never speak of this again. That was like a medical procedure. <laughs> yeah. um, Murray Downs is, for those who don't know, it's actually Swan Hill is the town in Victoria that it's closest to, but it's across the border and um, it – 
is a course that when it gets exposure, I'm not sure what level it's going to be, whether it's a regional qualifier or, a, you know, who knows, it might even end up host, hosting a state open. But when it gets a chance um, to shine on on television, watch watch it explode. It is one of the great gems of Australian golf. Um, if it was in a metropolitan setting, it would be highly, highly ranked. Um, speaking of food, there's just the most amazing Indonesian stroke Thai food place in Swan Hill. It's un, unrivaled, and I can't believe you know that su- su- something like that isn't in you know Mossman or Turak or wherever else you want to be. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Um, and the chances to expose these things to a bigger audience are, are enormous. Um, I would say that to certainty, Rod. At some point, mm-hmm. um, I would be thinking of um, you know places around Coffs Harbour. I would be thinking of of places. Um, on, I'm sorry if I don't get the names right of all the regions in New South Wales, but um, Foster Tongue Curry, that sort of central coast area. Mossvale, I reckon, around there. Moss Highlands. Hi- the Highlands, Southern yeah, Highlands. Really underrated yeah, some, region. Something in the Northern Rivers for sure. Mm. Um, there'll be obviously something around um, the South Coast. Again, that's a, that's a given. Um, I'd be staggered if there wasn't a, you know, Queanbeyan Federal sort of yeah. combination something going on as well. Um, probably back in Albury as well. Uh, where we were for the senior New South Wales Open a few weeks ago at Thaguna was awesome. Um, but there's so many, this is the thing, there's so many options. There'll be something in the, there'll be dub, Dubbo is a, a moral. I was going big regional yeah. centres, aren't they? And that- yeah, so, you know, maybe something around Bathurst. I, 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 it's actually to, oh, I know, sorry, I've neglected Newcastle, which is stupid. That's, um, there's, there's bound to be something around there as well. So, um, you know, that's a huge area of land we oh, just absolutely, covered. Yeah. It's most of the state. But uh, most of it about six hours drive from Sydney yeah, to right. within six hours drive? Four, yeah, four to six. Absolutely. I mean, and all those areas Hazy mentions, you get that same idea of there's other golf and other things that we're just talking about. Like Murray Downs, I agree with everything Hazy said. And is that is Swan Hill also where there's the giant Murray cod on the side of the river mm-hmm. there, Hazy? Yeah. Oh no, no, that's um no, that's Tokelmore. Oh, of course. But that the trip along the Murray, mm. I've done that with work for travel features, is the most fun. And the golf's interesting, everything. Newcastle, you've got that whole Hunter region, and so wherever they're playing, there's other golf and everything like that. you go to Northern Rivers. I, I learned to play golf at Yamba Golf Club on family holidays, and it is such a good golf course. So going back there now, Ewan Porter, we mentioned even before, he spent a, quite a bit of time up there. Adam Groom, former world number one amateur, goes up there all the time and talks about loving like, – the golf course being so good. And then you've got all those other things. Like we've mentioned restaurants in Bellarine and in the Murray, all of these places have got that same thing. And that's just like such a good advertisement for these towns. Small to medium-sized regional Australia is a fascinating place. Magnificent architecture, beautiful buildings. We talked about Dubbo before. Some amazing buildings in Dubbo. Australia's an extremely young country. You go to the UK to play golf and you realise just how young Australia is. You're hitting off at the first at, uh, what's the one, Presswick with the tri- train line. That, you know, the buildings on the other side have been there for 900 years and it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Were you at the Herald Sun then? If it's, seven, if it's seventy years old in Australia, you're doing well. But but uh, there's always amaze always amazes me the diversity of regional Australia. It's never what you expect. Every time I've been to one of those places, it's like that. I just want to raise two things quickly. You mentioned Murray Downs there. Maybe ten or twelve years ago, I did a story on the course superintendent because she was a woman, which was unusual. It's still unusual in golf. And that's a topic for another day. But she was terrific to talk to. But she had done a stint at Augusta National. She was a three-marker, good player. And she'd done a stint at Augusta National. She talked about the staff day there. They have a staff day every year. 
and the staff just get to play the course. And she said, you just go around Amen Corner as many times as you like. <laughs> it's, one of the, it's one of the greatest days of her life. You just got the whole course to there's you and you know, 50 or 60 other staff or whatever it is, just go and play the course wow. as you like. You, you mentioned exposure for courses, Hazy, and immediately thought about TPS Rosebud. Second or third year, I think, this year for the third. TPS Victoria. I immediately thought of Rosebud. There's a golf course a lot of Victorians would be familiar with because it's, it's in a very popular holiday spot. Lots of people would play golf down there with on holidays. But what a golf course that we've never heard of outside of Melbourne. And you know that now from watching it on the TV. It's really, you can't buy what that tournament's done for that golf course. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, if you are if you're sitting listening to this and you're in Perth or Mount Isa or somewhere, and you think of Melbourne golf, Rosebud would be the fiftieth place you'd call probably. Like, even if you if I even if I said Mornington Peninsula, you know, you, you're mm-hmm. putting it behind in your mind before this tournament. You're putting it behind Portsea, Sereno, Moona, Eagle. You know, the Dunes. There's there's honestly there's ten that I could name before I even got to Rosebud. It wasn't, wasn't uh, the case about 30 years ago, though, was it? Rosebud was actually a destination. Host of the Australian PGA. Yeah. Mm. And because no, it had the accommodation it. and 36 mm. holes there. My dad used to go on trips to Rosebud. There you go. Yeah. From regional Maitland. Yeah. To regional Victoria. Yeah. yeah, quite amazing. I'm not denigrating it at all. I'm just saying that- It sounded know, like it, you were- <laughs> other, yeah, other places have gone past it in a marketing sense even. You know, it's not on- It wasn't- You know, it's not on Visit Victoria, you know, literature. So- uh, now it is, <laughs> and that's the whole point. That's exactly the point. I mean, that's another one you must play if you're going into that area. It's it's back on the list. Yeah, a very good piece by you, Rod, in the which I'll link to. Uh, your, oh, links for Monday the show opinion notes. Piece. Fantastic. Yeah, um, the player series punches above its weight by Rod Murray. Which I think it does. I think that's yep. a fair comment. I, I really Jeez, that's do. That's a good headline. And I like it's a fantastic. I don't know who wrote that, but they I do. They must have been <laughs> very good. The, uh, Look, we criticise golf administration relentlessly, and that's part of our job, and we should do that. But when they get it right, give them a tick. And this this players here is the WebEx players here is they've got this right. I cannot find a fault with it. Right, I just can't find a fault with it. I, I mean, I, I've, I've written I've written similar before about it. it's it is. And I look I look for faults because yeah. it's kind of the training of so the do, job. So do I because I'm, one. I'm miserable. Yeah, but that's right. It, it, I've been to You're a lot old. of. Yeah, that's right. I've been to a lot of them. Well. Of, comparatively a lot of them since it started and the whole concept the way it's done everything about it is is just is exactly right. what it should be exactly and we've got of the four there's only one in a metro center which, which is the sydney do. one and mm-hmm. that's hosted by Brayton astor who pours everything into making it, it get, he gets on the national on the news he because he gets somebody. his mates along and all that's that right. everything about that concept is amazing and kim felton and nick dasty who champion that idea deserve a lot of praise for what they've done with absolutely that. couldn't say anything so I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna absolutely with what you've been saying but i'm gonna give one negative um and it pertains to excuse my dogs in the background this is horrendous what are their names environment names fred and maple <laughs> Fred and May, they'll be the Olive and Mabel of the next. Yeah, I was going to say next that's very similar to Andrew Cotter's. Uh, so one, just one thing to you know, I think keep an eye on, and I'm full of praise for you know for um, you know all the innovations that those guys have done, but um, it might come at the expense as you search for amateur players at the uh, at the expense of some of the on time honoured um, amateur tournaments around Australia. Uh, so some of the people who would otherwise, for example, have been at the New South Wales Amateur last week at Pennant Hills were invited down to um, TPS in Rosebud. Oh, so a yeah. scheduling issue. 
a scheduling issue. And, it's, you know, it's, that's not denigrating from the concept no. at all. But it's, And if it is one negative, and it is a big one from an amateur golf perspective, um, you need to factor in, um, you know, there are other tournaments going on. It's not just uh, at a professional level in Australia. It is universal in golf, that scheduling. It's part of the problem that Australia has with professional golf and big names and big events and all that sort of stuff. Scheduling, it doesn't matter what week of the year you pick, you'll be up against something almost invariably. But that is a fairly important one, obviously, as year, because if they're if the New South Wales amateurs missing some of the best amateurs because they're off playing at the TPS Victoria, uh, that's not an ideal uh, situation. What would be your solution for that, Hazy? I, I have the same argument <clears throat> when you had the LPGA's first major of the year in California and you had the ANWA, the, the Augusta National Women's Amateur, that same week and there were five or six players who had to choose between those two events. And I always thought that was a bit rich on Augusta National's part to host the tournament that week, knowing that that was going to be the case. What would be the solution, do you reckon, Hazy? We know that's been solved by that tournament. The, the women's majors moved. They've had to, you know, bow down to Augusta National, essentially. Other reasons as well, but that was one of them. What's well, the solution? I think in answering schedule? that question, you've got to say that there is never going to be a, a place where there's <clears throat> 100% winners. So <clears throat> someone's going to, you know, think ill of what I'm about to say, but I... On, on, on face value, I think the, the time-honoured championships of both professional and amateur golf need to have their space. So we need to make a list of, of you know, what we consider important. So if that in Australia is the Australian Amateur Championship, the New South Wales Amateur Championship and the Victorian Amateur Championship, at the, and I apologise for the other states, but if they're the ones we think are untouchable with the history and where they are played, then they're the ones we look after. And, and even if it means playing... Um, Saturday to Wednesday instead of Monday to Friday, maybe to make sure that there is a little wriggle room. Because I'm sure that you know, the, not often the TPS is uh, you know back to back. So there's got to be a weekend where we could we could throw the you know the New South Wales amateur or an Australian amateur so that, that everyone eligible can come and play that. Mm. It's communication, really, isn't it? As much as anything, as you say, between the between the various bodies, communication about um, trying to schedule those events so that it kind of works. I don't see an ultimate solution. It would be remiss of me, and I'm sure that we'll have listeners who will bring this point up as well, Hazy, that <clears throat> Golf Australia itself has not done necessarily elite amateur events any great favours. They've switched the Australian amateur to a stroke play event, which a lot of people don't agree with, and I might be one of those. Combined <laughs> men and women at the same time, which I may not agree with. That, so there's... <laughs> Nice way to bring this whole conversation down, yeah, Hazy, yeah, with your negativity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but these are legitimate Sorry, but yeah. issues. They're legitimate issues, aren't they? Same days. That's the that's the journo in me, Adrian. I apologise, but I, I um, he wouldn't understand, mate. He's not working in media. He doesn't. <laughs> <No. get it. laughs> but I, yeah, that's hundred percent true. And if you know, that's a whole different um, argument. And I probably shouldn't go down that hot rabbit hole with the Australian amateur. I just I, I can't conceive of more. 72 on middle play events on the calendar. I just can't. I just, especially to lose one with the history of the Australian Amateur Championship. It just, it baffles me. That did feel like it lost something, didn't it? Oh, no question. It lost something. Lost a lot. I lost lost that argument many times in the Golf Australia office. So I I want the listeners to know that I did fight the fight. (laughs) Traditionalist. You're a purist, eh? You're anti hoodie. Purist. Um, oh, nice uh, little segue there, Rod, because before we move on, we'd mm-hmm. just like to give a little plug to our sponsor. We've oh, got it's, a sponsor ad, this it's week. ad time. Sponsor yeah. time. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Angus and Grace Go Golfing, mm-hmm. which is a boutique golf clothing store in Paddington, which make very fine garments. <laughs> it, this is All so Australian, Australian made. Alley, isn't it? A boutique 
apparel store in Paddington. That is very you. In fact, it's you too, Jimmy. I'll tell you who it isn't. It's me and you, Hazy. No, well, uh, Hazy nearly let it in even perfect because the two dogs, the <sighs> brand is named very Angus good. and Grace for owner Matt Burns's two family dogs. And it is actually very me because it's clothing that is golf clothing that doesn't look like golf clothing. So you can actually wear it other places. So very well made, Australian made, as Logue said. What, um, what Moss, it, Mossman or North Sydney or something like that only? No, it's all Paddington. online as well. But it, there's a, a shop front in Paddington. So, and he donates 2% of every sale to Wires as well. I'm on board with that. There is, I'm on board. There is actually, the materials are great. So he, he finally looked, was made out of really high-end materials. Well, that it, that it is, Logue. Oh. But, uh, oh, wow. does, he get, does he get Tell the, me more. Does he get the fur from Wires? Is that what the donation's about? <laughs> oh, they provide, they provide him with the possums. To, oh, I'm only joking. But <laughs> there's uh, particularly one of his new shirts is made from good earth cotton, which is... I think it's the world's first uh, p- climate-positive traceable cotton program. I was going to say, if it wasn't traceable, I'd have oh, nothing to do that's with That's right. But it is. it actually is super comfortable. It is re- looks really good, but it's actually done in a climate-friendly way as well. So It's actually super important. The fashion industry and clothing generally is an horrendous environmental disaster, and it's a social disaster for parts of the world that we never think about. There's an episode of a podcast called John and the Future Nauts they did on fashion, and it is depressing. It makes you want to become a nudist. It is horrendous what the clothes industry does to the world. <laughs> Don't look at me, Jim. <laughs> I'm fairly sure none of us were looking at any of the others, Hazy. <laughs> I don't, I don't really is horrendous. So that I, is, don't, I don't want to live in a world where Mark Hayes is a nudist, no. but I would like to live in a world where he wears Angus and Grace go golfing clothes. That are, yeah, absolutely. That's sustainable in that. That is actually extreme, much more so than how things look. If, if only could, could you find them on Instagram or something, is that where you would go? to? This is the worst <laughs> ad. That's <laughs> the worst plug question I've ever heard, Like That is unbelievable. You may as well finish it because I think you've got the handle there. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I believe it's at Angus and Grace Go Golfing. Indeed it is. And are we going to put we'll a link to that in the show notes? We'll put a link to that in the show notes. All right, then. And what's and the, the address of the shop at Paddington so I can send an invoice? Uh, it is 39 William Street, Paddington. 39 William Street, Paddington. Okay. Drop in if you're in Sydney on Deli- your way to regional tournaments <laughs> in New South Wales because it's a very friendly place and you might even find me there occasionally enjoying an adult beverage on How a Friday afternoon. How did you come across this? Uh, this I was put onto it by some random golf friend who said something about you've got to go check out this brand. Then Logan had heard about it and Logan and I went over there to check it out and uh, we've been – going there ever since. We've, Matt's a part of the gala days that we play with you and Porter at the public golf courses. And um, yeah, it's just- yeah. Listeners may not believe this, but these two actually do talk about this stuff <laughs> just when we're having coffee hazy, not just as the same way you and I talk about fashion hazy quite often. You know, we'll just whip up a Skype conversation and chat about, I see we've got matching shirts on today, which <laughs> the freebies handed out at the various <laughs> events that we've been to still going strong three years later, which is- At least we've uh, all got collars I'm today, Mark. I'm just wearing mine in at three years. <laughs> I'm a bit the same, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, indeed. All right. Uh, I think I'm done with regional golf. Anything else to raise, Logue? There was a certain incident this I week. I was going to leave that for Hazy, but yeah, you can no, throw No, we're it. just going to lead Hazy you in can and throw it to, up. You can throw it to Hazy. This is like an end of a, a like a current affairs program where you throw it to the guy that does the piece to camera piece and to he camera, just hammers yeah. away. Look at him getting ready too. He's, yeah. Oh. To give pe- just to <laughs> fill people in, this has been this has been a bugbear of Hazy's for a long time. He's written about it. You're going to put yourself on the sued list probably here, Hazy. But mm. did you see the incident with Patrick Reed at the Dubai Desert Classic over the weekend, Mark? Uh, 
know what you're talking about, right? And Hazy's um, got seven hundred and fifty million to be sued, by yeah. the way, so he's ready to go. Watch yeah, the watch yeah. the language I, for me. I would um <laughs> I've just got to tone it down because I'll get in trouble if I actually speak my full mind. I know I will. Um imagine imagine flicking a tea at Rory McElroy. Like what Oh my mm. god. What a what a insufferable insufferable buffoon Patrick <laughs> Reedy before we even get to the rules. Um, it's just not – he's just a, a low-rent human. Mm. I'm sorry. He's wow. Just, a, just going in strong. Does that? Well, does he not I, play I, a, an, an important role in golf, though, Hazy? Because everybody needs a villain. And so will, in some ways – that, that, that tournament, Rod, to your point, is – was the best of the year so far. I know it's only – but I don't know if it's going to be topped between now and the end of the year either necessarily. Well, if you take out, if you take out majors and, you know, Ryder Cups, et cetera – the tension in the last couple of holes there was palpable. It was for most of the final yeah. round. Good to see it on Monday too, for whatever reason. I'm not even exactly sure, but Rained out. poured uh, there the first couple of days. Um, but it, it was um, epic to watch. So yes, is the answer to your question. Um, and that, but that would also come if we had m- people who are more willing to speak their mind on topics without being buffoons. I'm well. not sure. I, I take your point, but I'm not sure that's the case because this is actually important. We haven't had proper rivalry in golf for a long time. People who genuinely dislike each other. Hmm. Now, these two genuinely dislike each other and have done for a long time. Well, they, no, they, they didn't for a long time. No, Rory correct. used to stand up for Reed. No, and I, don't think, I don't think he did that because he liked him. I think he did it because he thought it was the right thing for the but, game to keep yeah, it vanilla. But, but the, yet the interest levels that you, you and Hagsy both mentioned, I was working away because I'm the last dude, of the hard workers. Because you're but, working media. But I was doing some other things while watching that and looking at Twitter and every person mm-hmm. updating it and whatever. And as soon as Rory hold the putt on the 72nd hole, my brother, who is a musician, who has a mohawk, who is covered in tattoos, who wouldn't have been on a golf course in his life, sent me a message oh, about, yeah, Rory McElroy. So the interest of what's been going on with golf and it becoming mainstream news because golf splits tearing itself apart at the professional level in the men's game has meant his golf interest has gone up a little bit he obviously knows what i do so and he sat down and watched that because he's heard about it through people talking about it over the weekend at you know a few different social events and he's watched that golf wow yeah, uh, you cannot deny how good it is for the game in that sense in bringing eyeballs to the game. And I'm with you, Aze. I'm not a great fan of Patrick Reed, and certainly the questionable rules decisions in this one was questionable if you're being kind. It was questionable at best, as have a couple of these other ones. But the interest that it draws to the game is you, you, is unquestionable what it sort of does. No, I would rather he went out in sort of, you know, WWE style and sledge people in the background and stuff. I what I I take your, all your points there and they're very valid. But what I can't stomach is breaching the rules because he's no, the only right. one who yeah, seems couldn't agree. You know, yeah. and, and the the back catalogue of what he's done is you know it's becoming an encyclopedia Britannica sort of style. He's an enigma though because you go and watch him play golf and it is a thing of absolute beauty. Oh yeah, he is poetry in motion. He's an extraordinary golfer. Those really stuffy little arms. Yeah. And I think that if there's a, you know, if that's a, a nondescript round, no matter what number round it is and what tournament it is, if it's a nondescript round, he probably has a 70, 69 maybe. Mm-hmm. And in the situation where he's in the pressure cooker, to his absolute credit, oh, he stands when he's up. under the, when he's under the <laughs> yeah. gun, that's when he has his best Absolutely. golf. Plays his best yeah. golf. It's quite amazing how he can shut out the noise around him. Right. It's incredible. Let's be honest. We've often said this about the 96 Masters. If Norman had played with anybody else in the final round but Faldo, he'd have won that tournament. If Rory and Reed had played in the same group on Monday, 
would we have had the same result? I say no. Yeah, I say no too. It was a real, Reed, you could, it was a visible struggle yeah, for Rory to Reed control has, his emotions. Reed but has he did. Rory's number. Yeah. Head to head. He does. He's got his number and always has had. The 2018 Masters was the best example. The first shot Rory hit that Sunday was, well, he flared it so far right. It was almost not a professional golf shot, Hazy. It was a shocking. I mean, he managed to make par from over there, but it was like just a precursor of what was to come. It, it was, somehow means more to Rory to beat Reed than it does he said it, Reed he, to he beat said, Rory. He said it's more important afterwards. to me than it yeah. should be. Yeah. And, <laughs> but yeah. yes. on, that, on that rules issue that Patrick Reed issued a statement about it that was interestingly in a sent text message and a screenshot of that via Twitter. And I was just going to mention... Read out the statement. Because uh, I was just about to try, there. and I've just got uh, the Golf Australia Mag Twitter account open here, so I went to go to his account. And unfortunately, Patrick Reed's blocked Golf Australia Magazine on Twitter, so I can't tell you exactly. Ooh, so, something coming for you guys in the post, perhaps. Have you got if, a better load? If Larry, if, well, before I say anything, if Larry Clayman's listening, I want to reiterate that I think Patrick Reed is a very, very good golfer. He's a phenomenal golfer. I, I, I and various others get the updates to those um, oh, legal cases via email reading, from Larry Clayman. And I, if Larry Clayman is listening, I don't want to drop off that list. I love those emails. They are thrilling when I get those. <laughs> There's an EDM that you want to get. And the day that I, every the day that I read it and it, it has the name M. Hayes in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> could it be the making of Rory? In some ways, Hazy, that was a pretty important win for him, I think, under all of those circumstances and the way to, and not playing with Reed in the final group might actually be the making of him in the future, uh, perhaps. Well, I mean, he's obviously already a... He's already know, made, obviously, but you know what I mean. An all, yeah, an all-time great. But I, as much as that, I sort of get where you're coming from here. His next step up the golfing, you know, ladder of glory is only at Augusta National. It's the Masters, that's right. Yeah, where Reed is going to play every year until he decides he doesn't want to anymore. Can I, can I just tell you a quick story about Patrick Reed? Please. I hope so. Yeah. Please. I don't know. I'll, I'll try to make it quick. I, I, I really intensely dislike him. I think he's a liar, and that's mm-hmm. the biggest problem I have with him, or anyone for that matter. Um, but I will say that um, when I was working at Golf Australia, and Matt Cutler, who was then employed by Golf Australia, and he was involved with the high performance program, set up a thing at, at the national camp in. Um, Texas Woodlands outside Houston, yeah, Woodlands, and it engaged um, Patrick Reed, and he was there practicing of his own. He's been there. He, yeah. he practiced in the rain. He practiced in just horrific conditions when everyone else had packed up, and he was out there for hours and hours and hours. And he came in and gave willingly of his time to some of the Australian athletes who were in there, and they were all amazed. And he went back out and practiced more in the rain. So you, you know, you don't get to that level of golf without being dedicated no, and just no. a scumbag. So I'm not I, – I, he's a fantastic golfer. He's extremely dedicated and he works so much harder than we ever realised. No, he's an enigma. He really is an enigma. And that's yeah. part of why it, it works, Hazy. If he was just – if if you didn't have the genuine dislike, and lots of people do this, a lot more people in the genuinely dislike Patrick Reed camp than are in the other, that's mm-hmm. what actually drives it and makes it genuinely interesting. Because there's not really a lot of golfers you can generally really dislike. He's one of the few, and that's why this is interesting. And because he's now got Rory as a foil, that for the game is a good thing because it does attract all that interest. But if he wasn't genuinely dislikable, it kind of wouldn't work. It'd be like the Brooks and Bryson thing. Who bought into that? Not even Brooks and Bryson. So, yeah, But that's another good example. I think there's been a few incidents where there's been some dislike. Um, you know, it's not just – you don't have to rely on – buffoonery to get to this point. Um, you know, Tiger and Phil didn't like each other. 
Mm. Mm. I, I think you, there's there's quite a lot of dislike between players who play on tours, but it's unlike other combative sports of head-to-head. So you don't see these guys actually play together or have a, a week like last week where they actually are playing. Well, this is the first time he- since the Masters, isn't it, 28? They were going head-to-head, not playing in the same group once or a week, right? But I find it interesting that, exactly as you say, that, that the feelings Hazy has about Patrick Reed are not Hazy's alone. No. But one of the interesting little byproducts of this whole live thing is these players who are now live golfers are now – oh, we're all a big family and we embrace it. Cam Smith was the one who used this, the CH word, I'm not going to say the mm-hmm. C word, the CH word at the Australian Open mm-hmm. after the incident in the Bahamas. And he clearly had no time for him. And there was a, they were, had, you know, a relationship before and it disintegrated. Now they've got to be matey because, you know, we're paid by the same people and we all this. And interestingly, all those people on social media who are live golf fans, power to them if that's what they like, that's great. But sing from the hymn sheet of live golf is so much better and blah, blah, blah. I've noticed a couple of accounts and people I know who've changed their tune on Patrick Reed because he's now part of this thing that they're so keen to, you know, tell us how good it is, mm. um, which has probably heightened that stuff as well because they now say that how much they dislike Rory. Now, Rory, I don't know how you dislike that's Rory. That's a real narrative he, that's emerging. Yeah, it's like, well, I wish Rory had just shut up. And yeah. our, the, the mag's comment section on story, on social media and stuff, on stories about Rory is littered with people who will be having a go at him. Yeah. Same with Reed, but there's there's also these people who are talking about how they love it. And that's that's theatre. That's, you know, but you, you, as Hazy says, you wish you could get it without... You know, maybe there's, there's clicks in it. There's clicks in it, Jimmy. I think <laughs> one of the one of the damning things I find about Reed's behaviour is that all of these incidents are such low stakes, and you, you get this thing like we've all probably known people who've bent the rules in golf, and it's always for really low stakes stuff where there's uh, just not a lot of point to yeah. the to the cheating. Like there, uh, in, in in Reed's case, he's hit a ball in a tree. And most of us would just go shrug our shoulders and go, oh, well, I'm just going to go back and hit another one. You know, you'd, like you'd look for a little bit, but you just wouldn't force the point that, you know, I'm not going to move off this spot until you agree that that's my ball that you've identified. You actually wrote a really good piece on your blog about Reed after one of these previous incidents not long ago, which we'll put a link to in the show notes. It really is well worth um, well worth going over. Have you got Reed's statement there? Just quickly before we wrap it up. I've got, uh, so he, on Twitter, he says, this is my whiny statement regarding the Dubai, he didn't say that, he says, this is my statement regarding the Dubai Desert Classic. Maybe it's time we get back to playing some golf, exclamation mark, best wishes. So the statement is, uh, some people, like Rory McIlroy, love controversy. <laughs> it's a bit weird that he named Rory like that. No, he didn't. Uh, but what happened to on the 17th hole at the Hero Dubai Desert Classic was a non-issue. As the... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what really happened is I hit a magnificent tee shot. Now, come on, just read the. Uh, as the DP World Tour confirmed, I was not asked to identify the tree my ball struck. That was done by the ShotLink volunteers and several marshals, who I like to think of as my assistants on course. Uh, I was asked to describe the distinctive markings on the ball I was playing. I look forward to this week's Asian Tour flagship event at Royal Greens and. So Rory, that, Rory sucks. But it, there's a lack of truth in that, isn't there? Well, you're not it, you're not asked to you're not asked to nominate your mark. You're asked to positively identify your ball. Correct. Yes. And John Huggan tweeted with that uh, a quote tweet, tweet of that with no mention of how quote he 100 percent end quote identified his, his ball in what turned out to be the wrong the tree. Wrong tree. Hmm. And 
that's that's been the case with all of these incidents mm-hmm. is that there's exclusion of parts that we all know to be fact mm-hmm. and that it's just like that it seems like if there's maybe you know the dp world tour referee has something to answer for here too that like they didn't go through maybe all the processes i don't know kind of not their job but it's kind of not their job that's right but adjudicate but like it's blown up and it's huge and there's no no ownership of maybe it didn't go to plan or maybe you know maybe i did get it wrong or whatever that would endear him to people who you know say you, the 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 idea of calling penalties on yourself or whatever but to exclude something that he said that is the biggest issue mm, it's the point of the whole thing and for what why on earth the statement is a screenshot of a sent text message i don't understand hasn't he got a notes app hasn't he oh, seen how we all do the rest of it before we get ourselves sued we should probably wrap it up there the last thing i think you'd have to say about about reed he might be dislikable, but he's undeniably interesting, isn't he, Hazy? Oh, absolutely. Um, For all the wrong reasons, but he is interesting. Yeah, I think the crowd at Royal Melbourne saw him to be pretty interesting in 2019. <laughs> well, wasn't that a – I found that a really disappointing reflection on Australia that none of the chants were sort of clever or interesting. It was just the same nonsense over and over. I was disappointed in the lack of um, creativity with the – you expected Reed to be needled Heavily, and he was, but it was all a little bit samey. I was a bit disappointed in our. Yeah, there was no, there was no real. Nothing stood out as nothing brilliant. that you'd really say was memorable. No, um, no. It, again, a disappointing element of it was Reed Mister Putt at in Dubai, and there was quite a few people there because they'd opened the gates for free on the last day, given a Monday, and people cheered when he missed the putt. Like not into that, not into that, and that's going to become a now with these heroes and villains on either side. That's going to be a thing we're going to have to deal with. Well, there's more. Going into there's more golf and bro online. culture in golf than we used to have, isn't there? It certainly, it feels like it to me. I mean, I'm old, but it feels like there's more bro culture. Uh, in golf I than agree we used that to you have. are old, but yeah, you're probably right as well. Yeah, there's more old and right. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's we'll definitely more of that, which is. I, I don't care how old you are and whatever. It's not. I don't know. I think you do. I feel like you do care how old I am because I feel like you bring it up a lot. Yeah, I know how old you are. <laughs> so do Pertinent. I. So do I. Trust me. Uh, let's call it's, it a And day. also, just quickly, that interesting that uh, Hazy dislikes Reed so much, given he's brilliant but often thought of as unlikable, just like Hazy. Oh, hush. <laughs> oh. What a shame we don't have time for a right of reply. I've, I've got an email address for a lawyer in Florida who can probably help you with that, Hazy. I'll send it to you. Name of Clayman, L. I'll, uh, I'll flick it on to you for, for anyone with any need of background, quickly before we go, the weekly tipping weekly. column for Golf Australia magazine is where Mark Hayes reflects on what he obviously thought was a potential stand-up comedy career at my expense that requires my father to call me every week and say, is what Hazy wrote true? And he is a lawyer, so I may file my own suit. Jimmy, there's clicks in it. That's all I'm saying. There's clicks in do you know it. That, uh, do you know the fact that he has to ask you whether they're true or not tells you everything you, <laughs> you need, need to know? This isn't about my life, Hazy. <laughs> Hazy, thank you, mate. Been great to have you aboard and uh, appreciate you taking the time and effort to fill us in on a bit of regional golf and be a part of the chat. Pleasure, boys. And I'm really chuffed that, you know, this is happening across New South Wales and everyone, part of it, should be um, really congratulated. Well, not only that, the the tentacles will extend beyond. Other states will look and see what this does and achieves and you'll see that start to grow, I hope. And that's the way things should grow, slowly and from a solid base rather than, let's chuck all this money at something and it didn't work the first year, so we give up on it. That's the danger of some of these. And this hasn't got that feel about it. A three-year deal gives it a chance to grow. Logue, good to have you on board, mate. Thanks very much, Rod. Thanks for... um, 
brilliantly reading out Patrick Reed's <laughs> statement, or at least some of it. Jimmy, good to have you on, mate. Thanks for that. Thank you very much. Good, good golf podcast episode 132, I think. Yeah. In the books. Back to do it all again next week here on Good, Good Golf Podcast.